0: Today I want to wrap up the series we've been in. We we started a series called One Size Fits All, and we've been talking about diversity in the body of Christ. And if you've been around New Life Fellowship for any amount of time, you know that diversity is one of the key words that's really important to us. We are a diverse supernatural community that helps people encounter Jesus Christ. That is our mission statement, our vision. And so, one of the things we really emphasize is people from all walks of life should feel at home and feel welcomed here. That there is a place for you, no matter where you've come from. What what you look like how much money's in your pocket it doesn't matter there's a place here. How many of you know that Jesus is the one that unifies us and he is best represented to the world when we 're all together I mean I mean i can't I, I thought about this this week actually as I was, as I've been thinking about this series we're in I thought how awful would it be if I was trying to lead a church of just all middle-aged slightly overweight balding white guys like i look i look in the audience and all i see is me looking back at me how horrible would that be and uh yeah that just for pam just gave a big wow like she's she's lives with me so she knows what it's like every day to get up and see me and she's like a whole church full of you like Come on, honestly, any one of us could say that. If it was just a whole bunch of me, how boring would that be? But God is exalted in the diversity, in in the gifts that he's placed in people, the the different colors we have on the outside, the different personalities, the characteristics. That shows him to the world. Oh, So anyway... It would be terrible if it was just me looking back at me. So I appreciate each and every one of you, and diversity is really important here. Uh, The key verse we've been working on the last few weeks, Galatians 3.28, we're going to read that on the screen behind me. It says this, We no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one. Everybody say one. We are all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Now, ushers, they they always count the attendance. That doesn't mean you can just look and say, oh, one. (laughs) I heard Pastor preach and we're all one, so I don't have to count anybody. But it means we are all together. Jesus erases all those differences, those divisions that we had. Uh, We spent about two weeks talking about male or female. The, the divisions that Paul lists in that verse. And we said that God's image is best represented to the world through men and women serving him together, that there is something beautiful about that. Then last week we talked about rich or poor. We said that your, your self-worth doesn't come from your net worth, right? It comes from Christ living inside of you. So that leaves one category in that verse that we're going to talk about today, Jew or non-Jew or Gentile. Many of you have in, in your translations. Uh, how many of you have the word translated as Gentile in that verse? What does Gentile mean? It just means not a Jew. (laughs) Same same thing that it says in that verse, Jew or non-Jew. That's all the Gentile means. In in fact, uh, why do you think Paul picked Jew and Gentile? Why would he put that in there as one of the divisions that he saw that was erased by Jesus? That's, That's not a trick question. It's just think about this for a second. That was the main ethnic division that the Jewish people saw things through. You know, we think about black and white, you know, red, yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. We think about skin color. We think about economics, all these things, ethnicities, what country you're from. The main way that the Jews differentiated was they saw you're either a Jew or you're not a Jew. That That is the ethnic division that we draw the line on. You're, you're either in or you're out. And I think uh, it it really was... I think the main way that God sees people too, actually, well, we can talk about that some other day, but it it really was Jew or non Jew was a shadow of, are you in Christ or are you not? That's, that's the only thing that really matters when it comes to the grand scheme of eternity is, are you in or are you out? So Paul picked that one because that was the main thing that they looked at. They looked at Jew or Gentile. And even the law that God gave them had kind of reinforced this in their mind. I'm going to pick one example out to show you how that worked. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 7, the the Israelites were going into the promised land. Everybody remembers this story, right? They came out of Egypt. They wandered around the desert for a while. But now it was time. Like, we are entering into our promised land. Thank God for promised land experiences. But when they were getting ready to go in, maybe, you know, there were a bunch of other people that lived in the land. And if you, if you go to a church long enough, you'll probably hear them called what? The ites, right? The, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Hittites, all these ites that were living there. And God wanted to keep his people set apart. So he gave them some instructions of how to enter in the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse three. He says this. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Wow. God wanted them to be separate. That sounds pretty exclusive, doesn't it? Like, hey, set yourselves apart. And what has happened is some people, actually, some people have taken that verse and then they'll read something in the New Testament, like come out and be separate. And the next thing you know, they say they've got this whole doctrine of racism that they've built and they say it is on the Bible. How many of you know that's not right? Look at your neighbor and say, that's not what he means by that. God, God wasn't uh, giving us an instruction for all time to justify, hey, we're banning interracial marriage. You know, you can't date somebody from a different, different ethnicity as you. That's not what he meant by that verse. The clue is, uh, come on. I, I don't know how to single these people out, but, but you get people that end up like the KKK. Or who remembers Nazi Germany? It's like, hey, we're the master race, no mixing. And they will even say, Look, because that's what God intended. He created us as the super race. That's not what God was doing. The very next verse gives you the clue. Verse 4 of Deuteronomy chapter 7 tells you why they weren't supposed to intermarry all the ites. He says, For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, and the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will be quickly destroyed. So God wasn't saying ban interracial marriage. God's intent in giving that instruction was, don't make a covenant with anything that turns you away from me. How many of you can still hear that today? Don't make a covenant with anything that turns you away from me. You know, Job, I think it was, talks about, I made a covenant with my eyes. You know, not not to look on any woman. You know, all these different things. What am I going to agree to hear? and let into my ears we make a covenant all these relationships we have with people are we coming into agreement with things that are going to drive us away from god or things that are going to keep us close to him and that was god's intention with don't intermarry with all the ites is i want to keep you pure and set apart to me you are my people so and un- I, th- I think this was an undesired side effect so the jews were like okay god said don't intermarry because we don't want to be led away from him An undesired side effect was they became very exclusive and prejudiced to the the point where we are Jews. We're better than you. How many you've read the the stories about the Samaritans? What they call the Samaritans? You dogs. You're unclean. Like like people that weren't Jews. Somehow it went from, hey, don't intermarry with them. I want to keep you pure in your heart after me, To We are better than everybody else around us. And that's I think that's what happens. When you have the law without the Spirit. Right. Because you get so caught up in I'm keeping this rule that you forget the intent of why was God's heart right. behind that. So in- instead of thinking, wow, I need to not do anything that, that takes me away from God, they just boiled it down to, hey, don't marry people from other races. Right. And that wasn't really what God was after. Uh, what they missed. God's, if you study out throughout Scripture, I'm just going to give you a couple verses, but if you study throughout Scripture, this is what they missed. God's heart was always to include all people in his family. When, when he looked at the nations, his heart was for, I'm for them, I'm for them, I'm for them. I, I want them to be included. Uh, the first verse I had on the screen, just to give you a couple quickies, Genesis 22.8, this was the promise God made to Abraham. He says, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Everybody say all nations. all nations. That actually means all nations, even though he was calling Abraham out to be exclusive and set apart to him. God, even in that calling out, gave Abraham the clue. This is why I'm doing it, because I'm really after all nations. That, that's my heart for all people. Uh, Psalm 67 verses one and two says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. We all love that prayer, don't we? Like, how many of you have ever prayed Psalm 67 over your life? God, be gracious to us and bless us. Make your face shine on us. Why do we pray that? What, what was God's intent in wanting us to pray? God, bless me. Let your favor be on me. All these things. Verse 2 says that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. God's intent to bless us is so that all nations will know him and come to him. Uh, another one. Isaiah 56, 7 says my house will be called a house of prayer for what? all nations. The doors are open. Her gates will never be shut is what revelation says. The house is open to all nations to come and to be a part of what God is doing. And then this, this last one, Isaiah 42 six, this was actually a prophetic promise that God made about the Messiah. So this is something he's talking about Jesus to Isaiah. And he says, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. It doesn't get any clearer than that. God saying, I'm going to send Messiah so that he will be a light for the Gentiles, for all nations. And somehow they missed it. The the Jewish people missed it because their hearts had become so hard and they had become so prejudiced because they didn't have the spirit and the heart of God. They just had the letter saying, oh, don't marry those people. They're they're different. They're bad. They're evil. And so they missed the reason that, that God sent Jesus in the first place, why he made a promise to Abraham so all nations would come to know him. And destroying that division is exactly what Jesus did. I want to read a couple verses from Ephesians chapter 2. This is from the Passion Translation, and it says this, Our reconciling peace is Jesus. That's cool. Jesus is our peace. Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every dividing wall of prejudice that separated us. And has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Watch verse 15. I love the way it translates this. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. This legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by starting over, forming one new man, Jews and non-Jews fused together. He actually took the difference, you know, that they had seen people through. You're either a Jew or you're not a Jew. You're in or you're out. God said, that dividing line is gone. I'm going to make one new man. I'm going to fuse you together. If you actually go back and study the, the temple where they worshipped, they had a real wall. How many of you in that verse, it says that dividing wall. Some translations actually say the dividing wall of hostility that stood between Jew and Gentile. Where, where was that dividing wall? If you look at the temple, they actually had a wall. That they said, this is where the Gentiles can come in, you know, the, the outer court, the place that the Gentiles can go. But there's this wall and they had engraved on it these huge warnings like, you know, basically no Gentiles beyond this point or we'll kill you. Like that's a, That sounds like a wall of hostility to me yeah. that, that they were keeping people away from the presence of God. We are in, we are better than you and you are out. Come on, that's a dividing wall of hostility. And it says Jesus came to break that down, to cause them to be one. God was interested in saying, I'm destroying all the walls of separation that you've built so that everybody can know me now. And it's not about your natural heritage. It's not about where you came from. Even the fact that you had a promise and you were set apart people. It's now about my presence being available to all. And Jesus says, I did that through the cross. I tore down that dividing wall of hostility. God says, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with walls that keep people yeah, from me.
1: Yeah.
0: And if God was done with them, shouldn't we be too?
1: Yeah.
0: I think anytime you see in, in scripture or in life, unity, peace, equality, that's kingdom fruit. That's yeah. God's heart for people to come and be included. Right. Division and strife and separation are fruit of the devil's kingdom. He wants to keep people apart and separated. And I, gosh... Can I just say this? If we hold on to prejudice in our hearts and minds, we're not agreeing with Jesus. We need to get rid of that stuff. Get it out of our heart. Repent. Come into agreement with Jesus. We, all, we love Jesus, don't we? Look at your neighbor say, I love Jesus. We love Jesus. We want to agree with everything that Jesus does in our lives. And that's one of the things he did is he got rid of any dividing walls of hostility and prejudice. And we should, too. Because if, if we're keeping and holding on to those feelings, we're not agreeing with Jesus. We don't we don't have the right to withhold the gospel or our love from people. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, there are groups there there are some things there are ignorant people in any group, right? There, there are people that do evil things no matter what color their skin is or what's in their bank account. It doesn't mean that they don't do bad things. But it means we can't withhold the love of God right. and sharing the gospel with from them. That's
1: right.
0: So according to the passage we read in Galatians, we're supposed to view people through Christ. Not through their div- differences, not through their ethnicity, not yeah. through Jew or Gentile. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the same question I asked last week about rich or poor. What happens if we keep emphasizing those differences? What, what happens if we hold on to like, oh, I'm going to define you by the color of your skin? Right. Come on, there are some bad things that happen, right? Here, here is one. I'm just going to give you two. And this one sounds very similar to number one last week. If we hold on to those differences in race, our relationships get strained and weird. Come on. Just like we talked about last week with rich and poor, when we hold on to you're black, you're white, you're Asian, you're this, you're that, it gets weird and it gets strained if that's the lens that we see people through. Human nature is to congregate with people that look just like us. You know, like, oh, Dylan and my mom, they look exactly the same as me, so I'm going to come hang out with them. We're going to have our little group. Oh, Lori looks a little different, so (laughs) we're going to have our little group here. Come on, that's human nature is I'm going to gravitate towards people that look, think, and act like me, and that's not kingdom nature. Come on, human nature isolates and keeps us the same and and forces our little clique there. Kingdom nature says I'm including all, just like God gave the promise to Abraham and said it's for all nations. Yeah. If you remember Gina, our friend that went to Tanzania, the missionary to Tanzania, uh, she said that was one of the things that really opened up her eyes to the kingdom of God is I'm going to look around every room I go in. I'm going to purpose to go towards people that are different than me, that don't look like me to see what God is doing in their lives. Kingdom nature includes everybody. Human nature just includes ourselves. But When we hold on to those differences, relationships get strained. How many of you know we've had some periods in our country where race has caused relationships not only just to be strained, but it, it actually breaks down, like, completely. We, we've had, you know, we've got roots in slavery. It, it wasn't a very good starting point to get off the right foot in this country. Then, then you get into areas where the civil rights happened. You know, we had race riots. And some of you in this room uh, aren't even old enough to remember the really bad race riots and the things that happened where cities were on fire and, and people were, were rioting because of how they were treated, because of the color of their skin. So we've, we've got some history. Uh, when certain immigrant groups first came to the United States, how many of you know it was hard to come to this country and to be from Ireland or to be from Italy? Like there, there were people that were to be a Jewish person that came to this country. They got singled out and segregated and treated as outsiders and different. And I, I'm not because I, I don't know the connotation of how all those words, but you can think about there were words growing up that I heard that, oh, this is what you call an Italian guy.
1: Right.
0: This, is, this is what you call an Irish guy. Right. This, is, this is another name for Jewish people. Right. And it, it was meant to be offensive. And it was meant to single them out and make them feel like you don't belong here. You're different. What are you doing in our country? And do you know what? Part of what overcame that, I really believe this, because it's a picture of what Jesus really wants to do. Part of what overcame those names that we gave those immigrant groups was they found a new identity being called Americans. Right. Like, like they said, all right, I'm going to be a part of something bigger than just my natural heritage. I'm going to be an American. Right. And, and as good as that was, it still breaks down. That's right. Like because the only cure once and for all for prejudice and racism is Jesus. That's right. But how does Jesus cure it? Well, he's right. He gives us a new identity. He causes us to be one, and it's it's an identity that can't ever be taken away. Yeah. You know what what America means to each one of us may have changed over the years. It depends on who's in political power. It depends on the laws that get passed. All these different things, but Christ makes us one and gives us a new identity, and it doesn't change. That's why He is the only cure once and for all for racism. That's
1: right.
0: But that really is a picture. Hey, I, I you might have called me this name, but we're all Americans now, and that helped heal some of those wounds. But the only true healing comes from Jesus. So in some aspects, race relations have improved, and in some they haven't. Can we just be honest? Like if you look around what's going on in the country today, I have a couple numbers for you. They're not going to be on the screen, so you actually got to listen. This is where all my engineers perk up and they start taking notes. Uh, This is from a 2013 survey. This this blew my mind that it would be that recent. In 2013, 75% of white people said that they only had white friends. Come on, is that not, does that bother anybody else or blow your mind that three out of four white people said, I only know other white people. That's, that's the only people I hang out with. And the other, this is an alarming one too, the other side of that survey, 65% of black people said, I only have black friends. That's 2013. Like that's recent. That's not saying, hey, this is 1960 when you had to use a different water fountain or go in the back door while I went in the front. This is 2013. And and we're still at the point where 75% of us only have people who we hang out with of the same race. Here's another one. Uh, Gallup did a survey very recently. Uh, I think this was a 2014 number actually. The percentage of people in the United States who say white and black relationships, so race relationships between white and black, are very good or somewhat good has dropped to a 15 year low. Only 51% of white people said, hey, race relations are good or very good. And only 46% of black people said race relations are good. Something's broken. Like, and for it to continue to go, like, it's, it, it was on, it was getting better after the 60s, the 70s, but then it's taken a nosedive back down. Something has broken that's causing those relationships to be reemphasized, our differences, speaking to our former self and saying, you're black, you're white, you're this, you're that. I have, and many of you remember our friend Pastor Frederick that was here a couple months ago, uh, he has his kids do drills about this is how you act when the policeman pulls you over. Because he's like, I know it's going to happen. He he just got pulled over because he looked suspicious. You know, what my my friend Pastor Frederick says it's a what? It's a DWB. How many of you know what that means? Driving while black. Dri- driving while black. Yeah. Like, I got pulled over because of how I look. Wow. It's, and it's very real. And, and I don't sure. feel that. I don't experience that. But it's real and it's present. My, my friend... Uh, Pastor Hogan, who some of you know, he pastors a church down the rocks. He is a white man married to a black woman. Yep. He still gets grief when he goes in public yep. from from both both sides, yep. white, white guys and black guys. They come up to him and, and start talking down to him like, you know, what do you think you're doing? Yep. And this is 2015 that we're living in. Come
1: on,
0: Five minutes from here, yep. I can take you to places that are white-only drinking establishments. That still happens in 2015. You know, and they cover it up by, oh, well, it's a members-only club, or, you know, it's the German club, or whatever ethnicity, I don't even know what they, they say. But that's how they, that's how they couch it, is, well, you're not, you don't have somebody to sponsor you, you're not a member here, you can't come in this door. And there, there are places close by that I would not be welcome to go in and get a drink. And this stuff is, as much as it's improved in our country, there's still things that are very wrong, that are bubbling right under the surface, that are very close to home, that we think never happens, but they do. And this is the one that bothers me the most. I have people that still come up to me and they say something along the lines of, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. Has anybody else ever heard that? I've heard that enough times that I know it's not just one person saying it. That one bothers me more than anything. Because out of all the examples that are on this list, that's the one that shouldn't be. Okay? I can't control what the world does in in their drinking establishments or in their neighborhoods or where they live. But I have a voice in the church. I can speak into how we're supposed to be acting to people of other ethnicities. And that shouldn't be for somebody to, to have that feeling where, man, Sunday morning, I got to find a place to go with people that looks like me. Yeah. That's just wrong. Yeah. And that's a problem that I own because we are we are. I'll say we. I, I don't know how you feel about that problem, but we all should own it. But I feel ownership of it yeah. because I pastor a church. Yeah. And my my one of my heart's desires is to make people of all walks of life feel welcome yeah. in this place. Yeah. Not, not to come in and, and start feeling like, man, they're looking at me funny or yeah. I'm, I'm the only one that looks like me here. Yeah. Come on. It's, right. it's just wrong and right. we can do something about because we have a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not alone. I have an example. This happened even in the early church. Let's, we're going to look at the book of Galatians in chapter 2. This, this is a fascinating story, but it's real life because God left real life in the Bible so that we wouldn't get discouraged. Maybe you're glad about that. You read those, you read some of those stories in the, in the Bible and you're like, man, God left that in there. That's kind of embarrassing for that person. God wants you to know they're people just like us. We, we're all walking out our relationship with Jesus and we don't get it right all the time. And so in Galatians chapter two, this is one of the things that happened. Uh, it says, but when Peter visited Antioch, he began to mislead the believers and cause them to stumble over his behavior. So I had to confront him to his face over what he was doing. That's harsh, isn't it? Come on, this is Peter, the rock upon whom the church will be built. You know, I believe you're the Christ. You know, I'm the, the chief of the apostles. The Catholic church looks to me as the one that founded the whole church. This is P- He's the guy, right? He's, he's the one that like, man, if I could just be like Peter. Yeah. What was he doing that, that would actually get included in the Bible? if He began to mislead the believers. want to to have a guess at what he was doing we're going to read the next the next verse what could he possibly be doing verse verse 12 galatians chapter 2 it says about peter it says he would enjoy being with the non-jewish believers who didn't keep the jewish customs eating his meals with them up until the time when the jewish friends of james arrived from jerusalem when he saw them he would withdraw from his non-Jewish friends and separate himself from them, acting like an Orthodox Jew, fearing how it would look to them if he ate with the non-Jewish believers. That's the behavior that Peter was doing that was causing the believers to stumble, to mislead them, for them to be led astray. He was having a meal with people who weren't Jews. I, I... I don't know how what you think about that verse, but I suspect maybe bacon was involved.
1: <laughs>
0: Come on. like Bacon, the breakfast of champions. It goes with everything, right? You can put, you put chocolate on it. You can put it with eggs. It's bacon. He was eating with the non-Jews, which was forbidden by the law. The law which Jesus came to do away with. It was forbidden by the law, and he was having a good time. Man going to eat some bacon we're gonna have some shrimp whatever yeah. You know like he's he's hanging out with gentiles and they weren't even supposed to go in a house with a gentile and then all of a sudden like hey you're my good friends we're hanging out all of a sudden these other believers come from the the headquarters in jerusalem you know friends of james coming to check on the progress of the church here i gotta i gotta go talk with them now and all this, how many of you, this is a very real life example. We, we so enjoy hanging out with one group of people. Then as soon as another group of people comes around, they're yesterday's friends. Come on. How many, you, it may have been a long time since some of you have been in high school, but th- this is, come on, you don't have to go any further than to a local high school to see this happen. Hey, I'm hanging out with these guys. But as soon as the popular kids come, man, that's my new group of friends exactly what peter was doing i'm i love you guys i'm hanging out we're having fun you guys oh yes you're gentiles That's all right we're all believers we're one and as soon as the guys from jerusalem came and i can't can't even eat with you anymore i'm I'm worried about how i'm going to look in front of these other guys what's going on with my reputation and i can't mix with those other people that aren't jews very real example and come on verse 14 let's go let's read a little more Paul says this about them. He says, So when I realized they weren't being honest to what they believed and were acting inconsistently with the revelation of grace, I confronted Peter in front of everyone. Ouch. Peter and Paul going at it in front of everyone. The the NIV actually says in verse 14, I saw they weren't acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Because the gospel says Jesus died for all men. He made us one in Christ. Yeah. And, and Paul, he loved people and he loved Peter enough yeah. to That's say, I've got to address this. Yeah. this. This has to stop. You can't act this way in front of one set of yeah. people and then change. You, if you do that, here's, here's what he's really saying. If you do that, you don't have integrity. Right. Right. If you are one way around one group of people and yeah. another way when another group of people shows up, you don't have integrity in your heart. Yeah. And it's not representing Jesus well That's to the right. world. That's right. but, <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> so Peter's having this issue of how he's acting, right? Yep. Guess when this was? This was after Peter had had a dream. Where he saw a vision. He saw the sheet let down. You remember this vision in the book of Acts? And God says, get up, kill and eat. And Peter says, well, I don't do anything unclean. And God gave him that vision as a sign that you can go to the Gentiles now. It's it's okay. I'm, I'm taking care of that. Don't call anything unclean, which God has called clean. This is after Peter had that vision and he's still acting like that. Like even after we're saved, even after we're Christians, we don't always get it Right. You know, what, what more could you have than I had a vision from, from Jesus? I heard the audible voice of God saying it's OK to be with these guys who are not the same race as you. And then, oh, I forgot. You know, I just I don't know what it was, but I went back into old habits, old ways of thinking. Even after he'd had that vision and known the truth, he still acted that way. And Paul had to say, hey, this isn't right. You, we are not representing Jesus well to the church. We have influence. People will follow our lead, good or bad. And there, there need to be times, we, you know, Paul, because he loved Peter and he loved people, he, there need to be times when we look at each other, and if we see that behavior, we need to speak up. I love people, and I love you so much that I'm going to say something about what's going on here. Because if we don't address it, it gets reinforced. Those, those clicks and those divisions get so entrenched that you can't get rid of them eventually, not without dynamite or somebody leaving the church or relationships blowing up completely. We we owe it to each other and to the world to address it when we see it, right off the bat. Like, man, I noticed you weren't eating with those people you were before. Now you're not. And Paul, I mean, I would. I just wonder what did that? How did that go down? Like, as he says, I addressed Peter in front of everybody. Like, I, I called him out. It would be like, hey, we're here on a Sunday morning. I'm going to, hey, Matt, you know, that, what you've been doing, you know, like right in front of everybody. It's like, ooh, ooh. It's like, I just picture everybody, like, gripping the edge of their seat. Like, how's this going to go? You know, what's going to happen? We can't let it be awkward, though. We, we got to get past it. and We got to address it. Because if we don't, our relationships get strained and weird. And they just get broken here 's the last thing I want to share with you. The other thing that happens if we reinforce the racial differences, number two is we begin to devalue people. somehow, it just starts to click and connect with us like oh you 're not worthy of God meeting with you. you know you don 't have the special access like I have you 're less able to receive and know God or you don 't have value just because of what you look like. We start to devalue people you know we, we have well obviously you know Jesus loves me because. He was white you know he's yeah. white with blonde hair and blue eyes and you know he's bald and, and a little bit overweight and middle age. yeah come on sometimes people they they have this vision of well you know jesus was one of us you, i mean you can go around the world every culture has a picture of jesus in their church somewhere that looks just like the people in that culture come on so we do that we have this picture of oh he of course he could love me because he's just like me but you guys that look different I'm not sure that he could love you and we start to devalue people. Whether we consciously express it like that or not, it starts to happen in the back of our mind. And uh, here's an interesting one. I just, I'll just throw this in there. Uh, because it happens. This is, we devalue people. Lost, lost in the current debate about Planned Parenthood and abortion is the fact that the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, she said that Orientals, Jews, and Blacks were human weeds that needed to be uprooted from society so throw that in the hopper but that that's an example of people begin to devalue people that are different when when we when christ isn't preeminent and in the center of our relationships that begins to happen sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's very overt So here's here's a couple examples of that, of devaluing people. Paul's in Jerusalem one time in Acts chapter 22. Uh, He's in Jerusalem and he's talking with the Jews, the Sanhedrin's there and the Pharisees and all these people. And he's telling them his testimony like this is what happened to me. I was trained under Gamaliel. You know who I was. I was one of the chief Pharisees of the Pharisees. I did it all. I learned it all. And they're listening. And he even starts telling them I was on my way to Damascus, got knocked off my horse, heard this voice talking to me. It was Jesus. They're not upset. They're just listening to him, right? You can go back and read this story. They're they're listening to Paul tell his testimony, even these crazy supernatural things that happen, until he gets to that verse, Acts chapter 22, verse 21. Paul's telling his testimony. He says, Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Verse 22, what's it say? The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him! He's not fit to live. That's what interrupted Paul's testimony was, I just happened to mention God sending me to the Gentiles. And all of a sudden the Jews who were so steeped in, we are better than you. We are set apart. We are prejudiced. Said, we're not going to listen anymore. Let's let's get rid of Paul because he's crazy. We hate him now. It was all because he said, I'm going to people that are a different race than us. I'm going to the non-Jews. When you think you're superior to another group, you start getting angry when they get good things. Come on. That, that, that's a very real tangible thing that happens. When I think I'm better than you, I'm superior, I'm above, you are below, whatever it is, if those people, and that's, that's the language that starts to creep in, those people, if those people get blessed, well... And they shouldn't they shouldn't get that. They shouldn't have the right to own land. They shouldn't have the right to vote. They shouldn't have the right to conduct business. Come on. All these things sprung out of that place of in my heart. I think I'm better than you. And I've devalued people to the point where I get angry when they get blessed. And that is so far from the heart of God. It's ridiculous. Like guess it's, it's not even worth addressing and here here's a little better reaction. These were actually Christian believers that were on a mission trip with the guys. In Acts chapter ten and verse forty five, uh, they were traveling with Peter. It says the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. Everybody say astonished. They they were like shocked. They were surprised. What were they shocked? What were they astonished about? It says they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. I think sometimes God often pours himself out on people we least expect just to keep something in check in our heart. Yeah. Have, we, have we ever, I'm, uh, can we just be real? Have we ever seen somebody on the street corner? And it's like, man, that per- we, we instantly judge them. Like that person is so far from God or they're so unclean or they've done this or that. And I think sometimes God meets those people and pours himself out on, on them just to keep something in us from, from being in that place. Because what we, what we first need to see people is, well, how does Jesus see them? Come on, what, what value does he place on them that is different than those labels and those divisions that I'd put on them? It's part of why Paul says we can't see each other according to our former selves. He is not a respecter of persons. As, as part of the testimony, that he, you know, the, the God's being poured out on the Gentiles. And he says, I see it's true now. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at the outside. He looks at our heart. Yeah. So I think we have a great opportunity to destroy some of that racism and that prejudice, to build relationships, to forge diversity in this place even, starting right here, because I can't control what happens in your neighborhood. You know, we, we can't control what everywhere else in the city, but we can do something about what's right here in this place. And we have an opportunity to forge relationships in such a way that it's a testimony to people when they walk in the door and they see how we treat one another. Yeah. Let's go ahead and stand. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just a silver bullet or a one-size-fits-all thing, or you know, like a just throw one solution at everything if every problem looks like a nail we hit it with a hammer because that's the only tool we have I'm not I'm not saying this but this is one way to escape from the what what prejudice and racism does here's here's what I want to tell you if you've ever had and you can kind of examine yourself right now if I've ever had any prejudice feelings in my heart if I've ever viewed people through the lens of what they look like on the outside do you know what the answer is repent (laughs) Repent, change your mind, change your way of thinking, God, you know forgive me for thinking that way about people. i 'm going to come into alignment with what you think about people. that 's what repentance does. and here's the flip side of that. if you 've ever been in on the receiving end of prejudice or hatred or racism or any of those things, do you know what the cure is for that? Forgive. <laughs> That's, that's my encouragement for us this morning. We, it takes both ways. It takes repentance and forgiveness to walk out these relationships. If we want to see true healing happen between the racists in our country, in our city, even starting here at home, we have to be quick to repent and we got to be quick to forgive. And it, it doesn't matter. Like Even Peter, having the vision, knowing the right thing to do, man, I, I did it again. I can't believe I did it again. And what heals that relationship? Because when when it happens, it can go one of two ways. It can either get worse and it fractures and it blows up. Or the healing can come. But healing only comes through people that are willing to repent and forgive. And so I just encourage you, whichever side of the coin you may be on this morning, choose in your heart to let repentance and forgiveness flow quickly. Can we agree to that? Amen. Father, we come before you right now. And we ask that you would just... Uh, examine our hearts, Lord God, to see what our attitudes have ever been. Uh, Lord, forgive us for the times when, when we've listened to the world, when we've listened to the enemy, and we've allowed those, those divisions and those labels to continue to be put on the people that we interact with every day. When, God, if we've ever spoken against a whole group of people just because of what they look like on the outside, forgive us, God. We repent. And Lord, if anybody's ever treated us differently because of the color of our skin or the differences we are, Lord, we forgive them right now. We, we make a conscious decision of our will to extend the same forgiveness you've given us to the people that have spoken and done those things. God, I thank you that the, the answer, the only answer for curing this problem in the whole world is Jesus. And, Lord, you've given us such a wonderful opportunity to figure out how to do it right here at home, to start right here with us, Lord. You've given us an opportunity to walk this out together. So, Lord, I ask that the the fruit of what we see happening here in our midst, the, the forgiveness being extended, the repentance coming, Lord, the fruit of that, let it grow and fill this region, Lord God. Let it, let it become such a part of our way of speaking and our way of life that it begins to affect the people around us, that it changes the atmosphere and the places we go. Lord, I thank you that you have once and for all torn down those walls that separate us. And God, I ask that you would give us the vision and the ability to tear down those walls when we see people still trying to build them. Let us do it graciously. Let us do it in love. But let us do it in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. Fill our mouths when we stand before people, God, with words that would bring healing in life. God, I ask that you would bless us even as we leave this place this morning. Even as as we pray that prayer that was in Psalms this morning, Lord, bless us indeed, Lord. Let your favor be upon us. Let your face shine on us. But we ask it, Lord, not just for our own benefit, but that so the others around us would see you and know you, that salvation would come to the nations because of the blessings you've poured out in our lives. We honor you this morning. We give you glory, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. And we praise you, Lord.